Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Republicans in Congress are attempting to keep their long-standing promise to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. They say the ACA is a disaster that is likely to implode. Democrats warn that millions of people will lose access to affordable health care if the repeal passes. We're going to talk about this on the program today. What should our health care system look like? We'd love to get your ideas. Is health care a right? Is the ACA a massive deficit-busting entitlement program, as we've heard some Republicans characterize it? And they'd like to go to uh, more toward a market-based system. So if you agree with that, how would that work? Uh, how do we promote a system that reduces costs and expands coverage, two of the key goals in any uh, system? We'd especially love to hear your experience. Where do you get your health care? Uh, many of us get it at work. Is that working for you? Uh, do you uh, are you on Medicaid? Um, do you go to the exchanges promoted by Obamacare or uh, the state exchanges that existed prior to that? Uh, how's that part of your life working? I'd love to get your experience. And you can call us at 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. Or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to get your experience or your uh, and or your opinion on Obamacare and uh, the Republicans' repeal and replace bill. That's uh, currently working its way through a committee in the House. Uh, we'll be talking later in the program with Representative Greg Hughes, Republican from Sandy, who's Speaker of the Utah House of Representatives. Later in the program, we'll also have Representative Jim Dunnigan, Republican from Taylorsville. He is on the Health Reform Task Force. And right now, we bring in Jason Stevenson, Education and Communications Director with Utah Health Policy Project. Uh, Mr. Stevenson, welcome back to the program. Hi, thanks. Good morning. Good morning. So, of course, this is big news, um, and uh, you've you've got a dog in this fight, as as we say. Uh, very concerned, of course, over Utah Health Policy Project about health care. Uh, I wonder just your general reaction to um, what's being called the uh, American Health Care Act, right? The That's right. It, it's been a long time coming. You know, we've been waiting for bill text to actually read through. We got that, uh, what, about a over a week ago. Um, so we've been looking through that and analyzing how it would impact Utahns, um, specifically those 200,000 Utahns who have signed up for uh, the Affordable Care Act insurance on our exchange, as well as everyone with employer-based insurance, people on Medicare, Medicaid. Anytime you start working on health care, you start affecting a lot of people's lives, how uh, people are employed, uh, where they go to the doctor. So these are big changes and big issues for Utah families. One of the big things, the, the Congressional Budget Office came out. Uh, it's supposed to be nonpartisan. It's being tacked by some Republicans uh, at this point. But uh, uh, their findings, I think, probably make it harder for this to, to pass. What, uh, what, in essence, did the CBO say? You know, they said about 14 million Americans would lose their health insurance within the first year or so, and up to 24 million uh, by the year 2026 which would pretty much bring us back to where we were before the Affordable Care Act, about 52 million Americans uninsured. Uh, we're right now we're in the low 20s on that. So doubling the uninsured rate across the country, bringing it back into the high double digits, and you know having that happen here in Utah as well. We're at about 10.5% uninsured rate. Um, you know, we would be back up at 16 17% uninsured. And there's different things they looked at in terms of what causes uh, you know, people to lose their coverage. Uh, and the big factors that we see are, first of all, the repeal of the individual mandate and the employer mandate would cause a lot of people to either drop their coverage or lose their coverage at their job. 
the uh, age, raising the premiums on older people and cutting tax credits for large families with kids on Medicaid and CHIP would certainly cause a lot of people to drop their coverage because it becomes unaffordable. Um, and, you know, the third thing also is that just the Medicaid cuts are so draconian in this bill that we're going to see Medicaid really dry up as a program that helps children, pregnant women, people with disabilities. You know, the benefits are going to be cut, and, and then also we're probably going to see the numbers come down as well. I want to address Medicaid. Utah didn't jump in with both feet and, you know, in taking up the federal government on, you know, money for uh, expansion of Medicaid. They, they expanded a little bit, but not uh, the way other states uh, did. Therefore, I guess, if uh, this repeal and replace uh, passes, that part of it won't affect Utah as much as other states, I'm guessing. Or That's no? true. Yeah. No, we, we would not face the, the you know, drop in federal funding that would come to states that have expanded Medicaid um, and cause you know, most of those folks to drop off, uh, according to the Congressional Budget Office, within a couple of years. Um, so you know, we, we never expanded. We, those people are still uninsured in Utah, and they will remain uninsured, but they will probably be joined by a lot of their neighbors um, as the Medicaid cuts, which are you know, $880 billion, um, which is about a 20% cut, come in over the next couple of years. States would be forced to make up the difference in that uh, lost federal funding. Um, and, you know, in Utah, we have, we have shown that, you know, we're not really willing to put that money up, whether it's for expansion or for regular Medicaid. And, and we'll start to see, you know, kids with uh, at-home health care, um, you know, uh, kids with disabilities are going to lose access to services. Um, you know, pregnant women might not get that coverage that they need. Uh, seniors in uh, nursing homes are going to lose some of those benefits. It, we've seen how these caps work, uh, and, and there's, they're, they're hard and fast, and there's no way around it unless you raise state taxes, and uh, that's not going to happen. So we're going to see these, these cuts happen and, and people fall off of this coverage. I wonder if I get you to respond to something. We'll hear from him directly, Speaker Hughes, uh, Greg Hughes, later in this program. But uh, he's he's on, on, his, on his website. He cites a study that found after adjusting for several factors that Medicaid patients had nearly twice the chance of dying as those with private insurance. He's he's saying one of the reasons he doesn't support the Medicaid expansion or didn't is because he sees Medicaid as, as flawed. You know, we do hear that, and we've heard uh, information about a study in Oregon which showed that, you know, people who got Medicaid who versus people who didn't get Medicaid, uh, that their health outcomes really didn't change that much, although what did change was their risk of financial catastrophe and bankruptcy were the big issues because they, they had coverage. They weren't running up uh, huge medical bills. You know, what I would do is I would ask anybody who, who says that, you know, having health insurance is actually harmful or going to the hospital is harmful because there's a higher chance you'll die in the hospital than on the street. Um, well, you know, you could just give up the insurance that you have right now or give it up for your family. Um, you know, if you really feel that people uh, do better without health insurance and access to doctors and hospitals, then, then walk in those shoes for a while and see how that is. I, I know Speaker Hughes uh, took a month um, a couple years ago and actually rode public transit everywhere. Um, after being challenged by folks who said, you know, the UTA here in Utah wasn't really doing its job for that last mile connections. And he took that challenge. And uh, he got a lot of blisters. Um, and he found it very challenging. And so, you know, he's, he's someone who's usually up for a challenge. So I would say, you know, if he's interested in, in seeing what it's like to not have insurance, you know, go to a free clinic, um, get care there, um, and see exactly how that works and the barriers and the problems and the financial hurdles that people face without insurance. Because, you know, when it comes down to it, you're looking out for your family, you're looking out for your health, and uh, health insurance is a, a key that gets you in the door. 
And if you don't have that key, then you'll find a lot of those doors locked, uh, and you'll find uh, some huge financial impediments to getting that care. You know, the GoFundMe approach to healthcare might work for some, uh, but it doesn't work, work for everyone, and it's not a sustainable system. I'd like to continue this particular part of the discussion with um, uh, Representative Chaffetz's comments. I'm sure you're familiar with them. They went they gone viral. He's gotten beaten up in very uh, in many circles, uh, and he's, he he said, "Well, I kind of misspoke," but he but he held to his point. And of course, if you haven't heard, he 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 said, uh, "You know, people have to make choices." And perhaps you should hold off uh, buying the latest iPhone and uh, and and put that money in, into healthcare. Uh, and of course, you know there's some problems with that statement. But but he talked about self-reliance, um, and uh, and the fact that I think he was alluding to his suspicion that uh, some people don't make the best choices with their with their money, and they could put more money into into funding their own healthcare. Yeah, that, was, that certainly was a comment that caught fire here, and uh, even the New York Times came here to Utah and wrote a story about some families in Utah County um, and about how they use their cell phones to sort of try to move up in the world and, and get a new job or, or stay connected and even pay their taxes and check their bank accounts on their phones to make sure they're not going to bounce a check. So I think cell phones maybe wasn't the best analogy for him to use there when it comes to something uh, like health insurance. I mean, here's here's how we see that. It's true that we do have much more of a personal and financial stake in our health insurance these days than we did 10 or 15 years ago. Deductibles are higher. Co-pays are higher. That's all part of a system that's designed to make you really use your health insurance more wisely. Um, and everyone's facing that, from employer-based coverage to individual coverage. Um, I presume even members of Congress, like uh, Representative Chaffetz, even though he has a gold-plated plan with a 75% uh, taxpayer-funded subsidy um, available to him, I imagine that his deductibles have probably gone up, too. And, and here's why we, we do that. It's because when there is a little bit of skin in the game, which there is with health insurance, uh, these days, it makes you, you know, choose wisely. You're not going to go to a doctor just for a stubbed toe, or you know, if you have to fork over a couple hundred dollars for an MRI for a concussion, and the doctor says, you know what, we could also just wait and see. That's what the medical evidence says is best. Then you can make a, a better choice on that, and that is where our health insurance costs are running out of control. It's overprescribing, overuse. Uh, it's the the fact that we we tend to do more in the United States that's not medically necessary were medically advised than they do in other countries, um, and partially because there's a financial incentive for insurers and doctors to do that. So, But when it comes to the individual, not having health insurance, again, doesn't get you through the door. You can't even make those decisions about how to improve your health. You can't get advice about quitting smoking or eating healthier or, or getting family planning advice unless you go and see a doctor. And if you don't have health insurance, then it's very hard to do that because, again, you're going to have to pay up front hundreds of dollars. You don't quite know what your costs are going to be, and you could expose yourself to crippling financial um, costs that could cause bankruptcy. So, you know, Representative Chaffetz said, you know, better choose your health insurance over your phone. Well, you know, people are putting up a lot of money for health insurance these days. We just need to make sure that we don't have 24 million Americans losing their health insurance, so all they have is their phone. We are talking with Jason Stevenson. He's with Utah Health Policy Project. We're talking about the uh, the plan uh, moving through uh, the House of Representatives on the national level. At least it's uh, it's cleared a couple of co- committees or moving through a couple of committees. Uh, the prospects did take a hit with the CBO uh, numbers that uh, came out, and it, it doesn't look all that encouraging in the Senate, but uh, you never know. Uh, this this uh, might pass. President Trump has gotten behind it, and... Uh, 
uh, you know, Speaker Ryan is is behind it as as well. Want to know what you think about this? What you want? Uh, what you think about the Affordable Care Act, which the uh, current act is seeking to repeal and replace? And I would especially love to get your experience. And um, you can uh, join us in the program at 800-826-1495, our toll-free phone number. Or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. And here is a uh, a comment that's come uh, through from Preston. Preston says, I'm 27 years old, go to school full-time, am married, have two kids, and work full-time. My wife and I are covered through the marketplace set up by the Affordable Care Act. My kids are covered through Medicaid. Under the new GOP plan, I would not be able to afford coverage for my family of four. From what I can tell from the numbers I've seen, I will forever be thankful for the Affordable Care Act and medical care my family was able to receive because of it. Uh, Thank you uh, for that, Preston. Uh, Can I actually comment on that yes, real quick? Yes. That, that's a very Preston, Utah, Idaho, I presume. Uh, no, that, his name is Preston. Oh, his name is Preston. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So that's a really interesting impact here in Utah uh, because right now under the Affordable Care Act, a family gets tax credits based on their entire family size, the parents, the kids, and their income. It's a calculation that you know gives them tax credits based on their actual financial need and their family size. Under the new plan, Kids on Medicaid and CHIP are erased from that equation. There's no tax credits for those kids. So it's only tax credits for the people who are actually going out and buying the insurance. And what we have then is a system where a family making $120,000, a family of four, will get more tax credits and pay less for insurance than at that same family of four making $40,000. Uh, and that's under the new GOP plan. It, it basically turns things upside down and it pretty much ignores the, the financial need of families when it calculates those tax credits. So the, the president there is facing a, that upside-down situation of where his tax credits will go down quite a bit simply because his kids are on Medicaid and CHIP, and, and that's a lot of Utah families that are going to be affected by that. Here's an email from Jean. Um, she's assigned at Foley, I'll, I'll, so I'll give her full name, uh, Jean Lown, who is a professor emeritus at uh, Utah State University. Um, uh, Jean says, it's important to note that a recent national study revealed that 30% of Americans do not know that Obamacare is the Affordable Care Act. And I kind of, I've been emphasizing Affordable Care Act, but yes, uh, it's, it's also known as Obamacare. Um, a poll, a third of Americans don't know Obamacare and Affordable Care Act are the same thing, and she cites the uh, the poll here. Second, the United States spends more on health care as a percentage of GDP than other developed countries, but Americans are less healthy. And that's uh, from the Wall Street uh, Journal. And uh, Jean goes on to say, we need to go to a single-payer national health care system like every other industrialized country in the world. Um, so uh, let's uh, just take those one by one, uh, Jason. Um, the, the branding, <laughs> Affordable Care Act and Obamacare, I guess depending on your political stripe, um, Obamacare could be a good thing or a bad uh, thing, a way to, way to name it. Um, but I think the, the polls have shown that, um, uh, that there is some confusion out there. There is, and even after four years, there's still a lot of uh, 
sort of public relations and, and, and branding hurdles that we overcome. Utah Health Policy Project helps with navigation, which means that we actually sit down one-on-one with Utah families and help them learn about their options and, and help them sign up for health insurance. So we do have a lot of people that come through and, and actually don't know about the difference between the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. Or similarly, they've heard that they'll be fined if they don't have insurance, but they don't know that there's tax credits out there that will help make their insurance more affordable. Uh, the bad news tends to travel faster than the good news. Uh, and when it comes to the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, the bad news has wrapped around the globe about six times before any good news even gets out the door. Um, so we, we struggle with that. We also struggle with a lot of people blaming um, you know, their, their private insurance or their employer insurance, even their Medicare uh, issues on the Affordable Care Act, when there's really no connection between them. And, and we're able to point out a couple of ways that the Affordable Care Act actually has helped uh, keeping kids on their parents' insurance until age 26, closing the Medicare prescription drug donut hole, uh, you know, bringing in pre-existing condition protections where they didn't exist so that people could leave their employer-based insurance and have a guarantee of having insurance for their family, even if their kid has, you know, survived cancer years ago, they would be able to get that kind of coverage. So we do a lot of education on that. And we still, though, encounter a lot of misinformation and a lot of confusion, and, and we do our best. Um, one way we're doing that now is actually with our, our lawmakers in Washington, D.C., um, they are, have a very keen interest in health care right now after a couple of years of you know, being interested in other topics. So we're doing our best to let them know what's going on in Utah, who's signing up. The fact that 25% of our enrollment in Utah are kids under age 18, two and a half times the national average, and that any changes they make are going to have a real big impact on Utah families. Let's uh, put a pause on a couple of points that uh, Gene made. We'll get to those a little later. We want to bring in a caller. Diane has called us. Uh, Diane, uh, thanks for uh, for calling us. Go ahead with your question or comment. Good morning. Um, I wanted to make a comment first off about the general question to this show, is health care a right? And what comes to my mind is we view education as a right. And yet, for some reason, we think health care should not be a right, even though it's equally, if not more essential, for um, healthy citizenship. I think instead the question should be, should we have a cost-effective health care system? We've been talking so much about health insurance, when really I think the aspect with the Affordable Care Act is not just insurance, but the health care. Do we have access to cost-effective health care. Right now, um, if I think of Steve Bristol's expose, he did a, a bitter pill, which really shed light on um, how our health, many of our health care costs are just very arbitrarily set, and yet we've got nothing in place to really come up with logically determined hospital costs, no way to negotiate on drug costs, those things that are influencing the United States, having the most costly health care in the world, again, as Jean said, without the outcomes. And so I just wanted to comment on that, that I think there's a lot that needs to be done to um, improve our health care system in the Affordable Care Act was a step in the right direction. It has, in fact, slowed the cost of health insurance and some health care. Um, costs are definitely going up. There's more we can do. But doing away with the Affordable Care Act is just going to send us back in the dark ages of 10 years ago. 
Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Appreciate that. Uh, we we uh, we need to end this segment pretty soon here. Jason, uh, your your comment on what Diane said. I'll have to say you have some very uh, informed listeners, <laughs> Tom. This is absolutely true. Uh, you know, Stephen Brill's article from a couple of years ago, as well as Atul Gawande's stories in the New Yorker, Elizabeth Rosenthal's stories in the New York Times, they've really showed that our American healthcare system has a lot of uh, systemic problems. What the Affordable Care Act tried to do was actually solve the coverage problem, the fact that we had 17% of our country uninsured and some people persistently uninsured because of their pre-existing conditions. It was designed to bring in those people to the system with the idea that you're never going to be able to get the boat righted and stop all the leaks unless you know who is all in the system. You know, getting people into coverage. Uh, Massachusetts has an uninsured rate of 2% right now. Kentucky uh, brought theirs down to about 5%. You know, Utah is still at about 10%, so we still got some distance to go. Uh, but the idea of getting people into coverage is that when you have folks with insurance, you're able to counsel them on their diabetes, get them the insulin that they need, you know, deal with mental health issues, uh, opioid addiction, you know, get them that assistance because they're not going to find it on their own. They're not going to find it out there on the street. They're going to find it with access to our health care system. Getting people into coverage was that first step. Uh, now the Affordable Care Act was going to start working on the cost and quality issues, just like Massachusetts is doing a couple years ahead of us. But now we're back to fighting to keep you know, the uninsured rate from doubling again for 50 million Americans becoming uninsured. Uh, we're fighting the battle that we fought just five or six years ago all over again, and that seems like a waste. It seems like we should really be moving on to these other issues um, after we get people into coverage. There are ways to repair and fix the Affordable Care Act. Congress has not attempted that. Um, you know, most legislation, including here in Utah, gets tinkered with, gets changed. I mean, half of what the Utah legislature does is fix things that they passed in previous years. Affordable Care Act has never been given that treatment. We need to do that first before we throw it all out. Well, we will leave it there. Much more to say. We'll continue this program with Speaker Greg Hughes, and we'll be talking with Representative Jim Dunnigan as well later in the program. You can go to uh, Utah Health Policy Project's uh, website, healthpolicyproject.org, uh, to find out much more uh, about these issues. Jason Stevenson from UHPP has uh, joined us. Thank you so much. No problem, Tom. Glad to be here. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have uh, Representative Greg Hughes. He's Speaker of the Utah House of Representatives. Later in the program, as I mentioned, Representative Jim Dunnigan, Republican from Taylorsville, who's uh, on the Health Reform Task Force. And, of course, we'd love to hear from you. 800-826-1495 is the way to call us. 800-826-1495. Or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com. Pharmaceuticals and personal care products, or PPCPs, are finding their way into surface waters, and that presents a growing concern to Utah's water managers. Prescription drugs, over-the-counter medications, lotion, fragrances, soaps, insect repellent, cosmetics, laundry soap, all of these are considered PPCPs, and directly or indirectly, they swirl down the drain and into domestic sewage systems that are not designed to handle them. Environmental engineers from the Utah Water Research Lab are studying the sediments, plants, and sediment-dwelling organisms downstream of a wastewater treatment plant on East Canyon Creek to learn more about the environmental fate of PPCPs in Utah waterways and their potential impact on aquatic and human life. Support on Utah Public Radio for Creating Tomorrow is provided in part by our members and the College of Engineering at Utah State University, home of the Utah Water Research Lab. Learn more at engineering.usu.edu. 
Thanks for listening to Access U-Time. Tom Williams, Republicans in Congress, as you know, are attempting to keep their long-standing promise to repeal and replace Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. They say the ACA is a disaster. It's likely to implode, cause as many problems. Democrats warn that millions of people will lose access to affordable health care if the repeal passes. We're talking about this on the program today, and we're asking you, what should our health care system look like? Uh, Gene has emailed us saying that we need to go to... Uh, uh, universal uh, single-payer uh, coverage like many industrialized uh, countries have. Uh, many Republicans are saying, uh, no, a market-driven uh, system is the way to go. Uh, if you prefer that uh, kind of a system, how would that work? Uh, we'd love to get the outlines of uh, the plan you think would work. We'd especially love to hear your experience. Where do you get your health care, and how is that part of your life working? And we have uh, talked uh, with Jason Stevenson with Utah Health Policy Project. Still to come, Representative Jim Dunnigan, Republican from Taylorsville, who's on the Health Reform Task Force. And right now we bring in uh, Representative Greg Hughes, Republican from Draper, who is Speaker of Utah House of Representatives. Uh, Speaker Hughes, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, to be with us. I, I want to get your um, your take just uh, just in general on the Republican plan that's uh, moving through committee at, the, at this point? So, you know, I, I speak from the perspective of the Medicaid expansion that states were encouraged to, to adopt the ACA Medicaid expansion plan. Uh, it would have had the federal government paying 100% of the state's cost to extend Medicaid benefits up to 138% of poverty. I'm, I'm just getting out of the session, so I'm still talking in government speak with all these percentages. Ah, right. My wife asked me to, like, uh, you know, try to translate my my vernacular when I get out of session. So I apologize to your listeners. But the bottom line was that we worried as a state that while the federal government was paying 100% of that cost, that any percentage that a state would be asked to pay for described as a percentage, not a fixed amount where the state has to balance the budget, would be problematic. And as we described that, to the federal government, and I sat in meetings in Washington with Secretary Burwell, you know, Secretary of Health and Human Services, President Obama's uh, cabinet member. Her answer back was always, if your state cannot afford it, simply drop it. And I would say it, that sounds easy to say that you can pull back or recoil or drop coverage for those that have, you've covered, but, but it, is, it is going to be a very difficult prospect to do. We couldn't get anywhere because the, the option of dropping coverage that a state cannot afford was always the answer. Well, we're watching now that there's a change in administration, the pullback or change of Obamacare, and that, that simple phrase of just drop it if you can't afford it um, is now being described in the most draconian terms. The ones that we dis- that we worried would make it impossible to drop if, if the state of Utah were to adopt it. And so, it's just there's a bit of irony. Secretary Burwell's long gone. She doesn't have to deal with the consequences. I think the costs are going up. Uh, the take-up rates, amount, amount of people looking to receive the care has gone higher than what the actuarials predicted. And at the end of the day, I have to tell you that if the federal government's going to get control of spending, uh, if you're going to have a Republican Congress and an administration, these changes uh, are necessary. If you look at not just the uncovered, but you look at just health care in general, the premiums are going up double, triple the amount. Uh, people are paying well over a thousand a month to care to cover their families, uh, and their deductibles are in the thousands upon thousands. And so, healthcare today in the United States is not more affordable. It's not more accessible for anyone. And I'm not just talking to low income. I'm talking middle class. That so there has to be changes. But 
the warning in the draconian, we're going to drop millions of people, it was inherent to the plan that was proposed, that if you can't, if it doesn't work, you can just drop it. And I'm telling you, that's what we're living through right now. So uh, taking your, you know, your, your, your logic on uh, <clears throat> the Medicaid, and I, I take your point, uh, overall, that, that, that is the argument being made, isn't it, that, that uh, this is, you know, Republicans generally don't like to expand entitlement programs, but this is a program that was extended to people, and uh, now for some people will be taking coverage away. And that's, away. That's going to be a hard sell, isn't and, it? And I, would, and I would say I don't know that, it, that Republicans don't like. I don't know that we can afford, and I don't know that we can watch this system as it's currently in place. I don't think it operates and is sustainable and the way it is. And I honestly, to be completely candid, I don't know that the architects of ACA believed that it was a long-term play. I think, as some of your callers have identified, the preference for a single payer, I think that that was the, the long-term play, that this, that this hybrid of private insurance and government care uh, would implode and that the answer to that would be a single-payer uh, system. That, I can tell you, that uh, we don't think will provide uh, more affordable or better health care to Americans at large if we went to a single-payer. And that's, that's, you know, that's what I love about politics and about policy. We can disagree, and I'm sure there's many of your listeners that um, are reaching for the, the radio to turn it off hearing me say that. But I'm just telling you that I, I don't I, – there are many that do not believe that a single-payer system is the answer. Uh, and so this hybrid system we have right now, it was, I think, it was inevitable. It was going to change under any administration. It was just which direction would it go? And I would urge our listeners: don't turn the radio off. Uh, email or call us and <laughs> engage. Right. Engage with the speaker. I won't be here. on long. Yeah, you no. only have me for a little bit longer. Don't worry. Well, and, and engage with the speaker. That's we, we need a healthy debate. So eight hundred eight two six one four nine five or upraxcess at gmail dot com is is where to reach us. We're talking about uh, Obamacare uh, repeal and replace, which is uh, being proposed in in Congress right now. Uh, I want to get your take, uh, speaker, and, and you're familiar with the callers that have called in and and the emails that we've gotten. Uh, this uh, from, from Jean, for example, uh, she cites a, uh, a, a report in the Wall Street Journal, the United States spends more on health care as a percentage of GDP than other, other developed countries, but Americans are less healthy. I don't know if you saw that study, if you agree with it. If, if so, it, and I think everyone would say that health care is, is a need um, and the health care system needs fixing. Um, how would you fix it? What, what's the ideal system? You know, I've seen a lot of good ideas that are out there. I think that preventative care is absolutely uh, critical. I've seen some employers, more more of the large employers, that have looked for clinics or or uh, preventative care and incentives for employee bases. Let's let's face it: the reason why we have health insurance as benefits is back, you know, a long, long time ago during when there were wage controls. Uh, people sought to draw employment by providing benefits, health benefits. Uh, if you had done that with food instead of health care, people would be buying nothing. Oh. I think health care is a strange uh, delivery system in our country, the way it, it, the way it got started with insurance and coverage by employers. But if you know, I've seen this, I've, I've seen reports that show that employers who uh, create those incentives uh, within their employee base, those health care costs ultimately are much lower for that, that those employers that provide it. And I really think that if you get back to a place where, like in auto insurance, the person paying is the person receiving, uh, some of these decisions about health and what we eat and what 
will promote better health and, and maybe avoid the cost of insurance, but more importantly, ultimately, a better, healthier lifestyle and better quality of life. We've got to get back to those decision points being made by the people that pay for that. And I think if we do that, I think employers could help with with, with programs like that. If you go to a universal health care system, I think removes the the patient further away from what the costs and the consequences are to their health care. And I don't think that's going to get us in the direction. Look, we're seeing this as a tax collector, as the state of Utah, when we look at the revenue from the general fund, we're seeing a couple things happen. Online sales, certainly the economy is changing with technology changing the way it is. But here's another uh, issue that was brought up by that observation. People are paying a greater portion of their household income for their health care than ever before. Well, there aren't any taxes <laughs> for the state on that portion that they would have otherwise spent on other things 20, 10, 20 years ago. So we're seeing our general fund in the state diminish. As personal income grows, there is a widening gap of the collection of general fund from the state of Utah. And part of that is uh, different online sales, but remote sales. But the other part is health care. Health care is becoming a larger and larger portion of people's health uh, household income. And that isn't good. I will concur that we have got to turn that around. But my argument would be the way you turn that around is you make it uh, a consumer-driven decision where people that, that have to use the care know the cost of that care, appreciate it, and we really emphasize the, the preventative care measures that can be taken. The poor and the, and the infirm, we have social safety nets. And the scariest part about a universal health care system is especially for a state of Utah, if we're a part a partner in that, if we can't fund or if we find it a challenge to fund people by their income, the only places we can cut and other places to keep that program alive are other social services that usually center around uh, the, the, the infirm, the elderly, children. Those are the ones you'd have to cut to keep the income uh, demographic protected. And so... I just think that we have to have a social safety net for the, the least among, amongst us. But I, I think everyone else, we just have to, we have to push for a consumer-driven uh, program. We have uh, caller Paul in St. George has joined us. Uh, thanks, thanks for calling, Paul. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, I've heard uh, this fellow uh, use the phrase, I don't think and I don't know time after time, and I think that's, personally, I think that uh, that's very true. You don't think and you don't know. Well, I know. I've been paying for, for Medicare for 40 years, and now I'm on it, and I love it. And I don't understand why Medicare can't get volume discounts on drugs and get rid of the lobbies from the pharmaceutical companies that are paying for your campaign, Mr. Person. And uh, I, I just feel like you guys have got yourselves wrapped up so much in lobbyists that you can't see the forest for the trees. We need a single-payer system that's accountable to me, and I'll make sure it's accountable to me. I pay for it now. I paid for it for 40 years. We, we, I think we lost Paul, but I think we got the gist of his uh, comments. Yeah. Oh, he's back. Okay. Thank you. 
Oh, okay. Uh, thanks, Paul. We, so, we we lost but, the last part of it, but we'll get response from Speaker Hughes here. I, I hear, I hear, Paul. Look, he might be omnipotent, and he might know it all, and he might think it all, and I don't know, and I don't think, and he might be right there. I'll just say this: if he has grandchildren, he probably want one of these systems of Medicare uh, and even Medicaid, which right now we look for the the those that are permanently disabled and uh, and you know and the infirm. But but my point is this. If you want that system to be sustained and you have grandchildren or a younger generation before, it, you can keep printing money in this country, but it's not sustainable. It just isn't. There's some hard truths about government, federal government, some of the decisions that have been made for decades that there, someone's going to have to pay the piper. And if we think that our kids and grandkids ought to be doing that because we can't sustain the kind of growth in entitlements, well, then, yeah, foist it onto a younger generation if you think that's what you should do. I don't. I think that there's a, there's a time where you've got to look at these things and start to rein it in. And it isn't a callous position. Look, I have, I'm, I have, I did not come from, uh, my family was not wealthy. I had a single mom. I, when I was in college and we had our first child, I made payments for two years for the uh, cost of the birth of my first child. And I know the cost and the, and the prohibitive cost of health care. And, and so I'm not coming from a place of let them eat cake. I understand the challenges that are out there. And I, I have an earnest desire. And when you have Representative Dunnigan on your program, you're going to hear the kind of work we're doing and the health care task force reform, reform task force has been doing to try and answer these questions. So it's not something we're ignoring. It's not something that's just, it's just raw partisan politics. We are looking for answers and solutions and working hard in this front. But to say that Medicaid and Medicare single payer is the way to go, understanding how much of that is eating up the revenue that taxpayers pay to the federal government, it's you gotta you gotta put your head in the sand to think that you can survive long term with that plan. Uh, Speaker Hughes, I know you have to get going here in a couple minutes. We'll try to fit this email in, get your response to this, and then then we'll let you go. Appreciate you taking some time with us. Uh, this is from Glenn. Glenn says, hello. While I agree with Jason Chaffetz's rhetoric, and Speaker Hughes, we did reference that. I think you heard, well, you're familiar with, I'm sure, Jason Chaffetz's uh, uh, statements. Uh, he says, I find it hard to believe that he does. His platitudes toward the poor show more contempt than actual understanding, nor any sense of an ability to relate. Take, for example, the many investigations his committee has undertaken lately. From Hillary's emails to emails from surrounding uh, Bears Ears National Monument, there and there are even greater expenditures such as the one trillion dollar F thirty five project, which I now refer to as our government's quote iPhone first policy end quote. I get my insurance as uh, Glenn through my company. Fortunately, this company is generous about the this fact of our compensation. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, Glenn. Uh, any response to to that? Any part of that, uh, Speaker Hughes? Well, you know, I think that. Here's the issue. If you're a Democrat, you're going to love President Obama and his executive orders, his decisions, and you're going to and you're you're going to want you're going to want the man left alone and not investigated. If you're a Republican, you're going to love Trump's executive orders and his decisions, and you're going to want want the man left alone. Let's just do this. Why don't we take national monuments and let's let let's rescind those and let's get. When I was in the general session as speaker, I was able to meet with the the equivalent speaker of the Navajo Nation, and I said, look, we can get an appointment to talk to each other in the same office. Why don't we work on this? And my point is this. If we want the federal government to, to help us, save us, be the, be the one that drives the ship, I think we're barking up the wrong tree. I think that the answers to these problems are going to be found in your state government, in your county governments, in your city governments. I, I will tell you that the people in Simpson Avenue who had an issue with the homeless shelter and that 
in that area or the proposed site were able to go to a city hall, make their voices heard. I attended a town hall meeting at Salt Lake Community College where we heard many uh, voices and opinions, and decisions could be made and, and people had recourse. When decisions are made in Washington, D.C., I'm telling you, the Speaker of Utah House of Representatives, I can't get an appointment in the Oval Office I, with anyone, even even having supported Trump. I can't call up and make an appointment to get into that office. So why don't we as a community and as a state stare at these issues together? And I'm telling you, that's the answer. It's not The federal government's not going to be our uh, end-all, be-all. It really isn't. Republican or Democrat running it. It's not the answer to what we're talking about. In fact, they're the drain. They're the ones that are that are making it harder. That Congress... What have they passed? What have they done? I mean, we're balancing budgets in this state. We're making hard decisions. We have great proposals that we know will move the needle and do good things, but we can't pick them all because we have to actually balance the budget. So we, we're disciplined that way. we got to pull it back to our state, our local leaders, and we got to start dialoguing more and, uh, and staring at that federal government less. They're not, they're not, uh, not going to be the answer. Uh, Speaker Hughes, I uh, believe you have to get going uh, here. I, I don't know if you're able to stay on another minute to engage with a caller. I'm not. I, I you do. have to I'm, go. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm uh, I've got an appointment coming right up here, but okay. I do appreciate the time and I All right. appreciate the questions and the comments. I think it's good. I think we should talk more often. Okay, great. We'll we'll invite you back, uh, Speaker uh, Greg Hughes, Speaker of the House of Representatives. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll take a we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have with us Representative Jim Dunnigan, who's with the uh, uh, Health Policy uh, Task Force. Uh, he's a representative uh, Republican uh, representing Taylorsville. And uh, James, hold on. We'll have you direct your uh, call to Representative Dunnigan. We have another couple of emails as well. You can email us to upraxis at gmail dot com, and you can call us at eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. This is science by the slice. The common side-blotched lizard, which can survive up to seven years, is found throughout the deserts of the western United States and Mexico. USU ecologist Susanna French is exploring environmental effects on the reptile, which grows up to six inches in length. The lizard is very territorial and has variable lifespans across its range, she says, which enables researchers to track individuals. French is investigating whether environmental changes, including those caused by human disturbances, result in modifications to the lizard's stress responsiveness, reproductive success, and immune function. This segment of Science by the Slice is brought to you by the USU College of Science, offering degree programs in mathematics and varied scientific disciplines. Details at usu.edu science. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and USU Partners in Business Leadership Conference, Thursday, March 23rd at the USU Eccles Conference Center. Introducing keynote speaker Joseph Grenny, CEO of Vital Smarts. More about the speaker lineup at partners.usu.edu. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Today we're talking health care. Republicans in Congress are attempting to keep their long-standing promise to repeal and replace Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. And Democrats are warning that millions of people will lose access to affordable health care if the repeal passes. We're asking you, especially for your experience, where do you get your health care? How is that part of your life working? Are you able to get affordable health care? Uh, and in general, what do you think of Obamacare? What do you think of the Republican repeal and replace plan? 
Earlier in the program, we talked with Speaker of the House, Greg Hughes, also with Jason Stevenson uh, with the Utah Health Policy Project. Right now, we bring in Representative Jim Dunnigan, Republican uh, from Taylorsville, who's on the Health Reform Task Force. Representative Dunnigan, thanks. Uh, welcome back to the program. Good morning. Appreciate you uh, being with us. And uh, we have uh, uh, James, uh, caller, uh, has waited uh, patiently, so we'll go directly to, to James. James and Bluebell, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Are, are you with us, James? Looks like uh, we've lost James. Call back, James. Uh, we we took a break there, and uh, and the speaker had to go, so uh, uh, maybe you lost uh, patience there, had to go. But uh, if you're able to, call back 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or you can reach us to upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Uh, so, um, Representative Dunnigan, uh, I'd like to get your take on the, the Republican plan, the repeal and, and replace uh, plan. What do you think? Well, I, I think they need to do something. The, the last few years under Obamacare, deductibles have gone up, out-of-pocket maximums have gone up, premiums have gone way up. And it, so I don't think it's sustainable. I do think they need to return it to more of a, a market-driven, and I know it's not a perfect market, but give people more choices, more flexibility on what they want to buy instead of mandating what they they need to buy. And I think the Republican plan is going in that direction, which I think is good. Now, the uh, the, the CBO recently came out and, and uh, estimates that uh, if this repeal and play, replace plan uh, passes, that the numbers of uninsured people who are not covered would go back up to, uh, to you know, near pre-Obamacare uh, levels. Uh, that, that's one of the overall goals, isn't it, or shouldn't it be to, to get more people covered? I think the goal should be to have access for people so they can have access to coverage. And if there are tax credits, they probably should be geared to the, the lower income. You know, everybody I know wants help, wants assistance paying for it. But uh, really what we need to look at is bending the cost curve. Under Obamacare, costs went up. We need to address the cost. If we can address the costs, and the premiums can come down and everybody will benefit. How do you best address the costs? One thing you do is you give people flexibility. You don't make them buy things that they don't they don't want. You don't make them buy coverage that they don't need. And you also have uh, more transparency on pricing and costs of services so people can be informed buyers. One of the, of course, one of the big pieces of this, we we talked with both of our previous guests about this. I want to talk uh, with you about it as well. Is is covering the poor, right? The, 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 and so in Utah, Utah didn't go for full uh, Medicaid expansion with uh, with federal subsidies. That one of the reasons was you were skeptical that that would be a, a long term uh, funding solution. Uh, how best to to make sure the poor are covered? I think the uh, the poor need help. They they need assistance and. I think we could have a, a targeted benefit for the poor, but I guess it's how you define poor. Obamacare went all, all the way up with subsidies to 400% of poverty. A, you know, that's a family making $496,000, a year. I, I don't think that's poor. So we probably need to redirect that to those of the very lowest income. We have uh, James uh, back. Uh, James, glad you called back. Uh, go ahead with your question or comment. Well, I tried to get in with Speaker Hughes, but thank you for taking my call. Um, you know, one of the things that Speaker Hughes didn't address in that, in that caller from St. George is that, you know, we have a, I believe we have a federal policy.
cannot negotiate uh, drug rates with with the uh, pharmaceutical companies. And, you know, these guys have got a pretty much free reign. And I understand that, you know, the free market system and trying to come up with innovations in drugs is a, is a very expensive notion. But, you know, I don't understand why why this is not a bigger deal, that we just kind of let these guys, you know, do whatever they want and charge whatever they want. If you look at the, you know, the, uh, the EpiPen scenario, uh, I don't understand why, even on the state level, we are not trying to at least rein in these pharmaceutical companies to try to get these costs under control. I mean, this just seems kind of ridiculous that we've got people in government that have turned a blind eye to this, and, and you know, Speaker Hughes didn't address it, and it doesn't seem like anybody wants to. They kind of all look away, like, oh, well, they keep giving us money, so we can't talk about that. Okay, thanks, James. Appreciate that. We'll direct this to Representative Dunnigan. What what about um, the, you know, the, the drug prices? And we have we have heard some famous examples like like EpiPen. How how best to control those prices? So I, I think the EpiPen. There are several others examples of just real bad acting by some of the pharmaceutical companies. Other pharmaceutical companies do not behave that way. But you ought to know that for our public health plans like Medicaid, Utah belongs to a consortium of oh I think it's about seventeen other states, and, and we do uh, broad use our purchasing power to get lower rates and discounts and rebates for our our Medicaid program, as well as the uh, state employees' health plan also negotiate. So I think what James is referring to is, is Medicare and things like that, where the federal government is not allowing um, much negotiating. But certainly for the state health programs, we are using our purchasing power to, to get lower costs. Now, you do have these outliers that uh, you'll have a venture capitalist is what's happened. They'll come in and buy a company that's been around for years and and has a fairly inexpensive product and raise the rate, you know, multiple, multiple times. And uh, that's a a real example of what should not happen for sure. Here is a comment from Catherine who's uh, emailed us to upraxis at gmail.com. She says, don't forget that one of the big reasons why Obamacare has had problems is because Congress blocked funding for it. In order for it to succeed, initial funding needed to take place to get the ball rolling, to create competition for insurance companies, to market it to people so they would uh, join. Congress certainly is not blameless. Uh, what do you think of that, Representative Duncan? Well, there was a significant amount of money put into marketing, and I do not think those are the reasons that Obamacare is in trouble. Uh, the reasons of, some of the reasons Obamacare is in trouble is, we increased the rates for the younger, uh, younger Utahns in our case, uh, significantly from what they used to be, and, and many of them chose to, to go without coverage. We tasked them with paying more than they should to subsidize people that are older, and they, those young invincibles, decided not to join. It was not for a lack of marketing. I doubt there are very many people in the United States that have not heard of Obamacare. Uh, just uh, briefly, uh, just a, a minute or two left, Representative Dunnigan, uh, what, uh, specifically speaking of Utah, and you've worked on this in, in Utah, Utah had health exchanges even before Obamacare, uh, what should the, the broad outline of the plan look like going forward, specifically for Utah? Well, I, I like the, uh, the National Republican plan where they're pr- proposing to give a refundable tax credit instead of using exchanges. Exchanges have been a very expensive and messy and ineffective way to help people get coverage. Oregon, I think, got $300 million to develop an exchange and never even opened. At the end of the day, they turned it to the feds and said, you run it. 
So I, I, I think to try to get government out as much as possible and, and let people choose what they want to buy and then help those who are the, the neediest. That will, if we do that, we'll be well served. Uh, Representative Jim Dunnigan, a Republican from uh, Taylorsville, who's on the Health uh, Task Force. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate your comments. Let me get a couple of comments in here uh, at the very end. This is from uh, Carl. He says, I received insurance through my employers for 40 years, and my premiums have risen every year. My deductible is has gotten so high I have to decide if I can afford it. I wonder what it would be like to have taxpayer insurance like our representatives and not have any worries. What would they do if they couldn't afford insurance? They keep talking about free market. Isn't that what we had before? Thanks for that, Carl. And then uh, here is a comment uh, at the end here from uh, Alec. Alec just says, I uh, just find it very interesting that the party of Christian values, as the Republicans like to uh, tout themselves on a regular basis, is the one filled with people saying that we just can't afford to help the meek. For a party that's constantly ready to legislate from the Old Testament, it seems counterintuitive to see them uh, throw up roadblocks to actually following the teachings of uh, their deity, Jesus. Uh, that's uh, from uh, Alec. Keep those uh, comments coming. We will continue this discussion, I'm sure, on this program as uh, this moves uh, through Congress. Uh, upraxcess at gmail.com is the place to go. Upraxcess at gmail.com. Thanks for everyone who has uh, responded to the program today. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have a fun program. We're going to take a look at uh, St. Patrick's Day traditions uh, with Lisa Gabbert from USU. That's what's on tap for tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah Humanities, empowering Utahns to improve their communities through active engagement. Online at utahumanities.org. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. The Canadian Girl Guides is just the latest group to decide not to travel to the U.S. because of President Trump's travel ban. A recent poll shows nearly half of European travel professionals expect a reduction in travel to the U.S. We'll talk with the executive director of the Global Business Travel Association about the impact the restrictions are having on the industry. That's next time on Here and Now. Join us for the second half of Here and Now today at noon on Utah Public Radio. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSUFM Logan, and UPR.org.